Praise the Lord. Well, it's, I'm glad to be with you once again. Let me just find my place real quick. That'd be helpful. It's always an honor to be back. Praise the Lord. This is our home. Amen. Our home church that we were sent from. So it's good to come back home and uh, give an account sometimes of what we did. I did it back in July. Many of you were not here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we just spend our time traveling as much as we can. Uh, we just come still out of the COVID period. So uh, the borders are, are opening up again. Praise the Lord. So this past May and June, Ingrid and I spent some time in uh, Switzerland, in Hungary, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, and uh, preached in many, many different churches. Uh, it's time for us to, you know, re-engage and reignite some of some of the old places that we've gone to in the past uh, where we preached. But we don't just want to go just to preach. We want to help develop something. Amen. I mean, it's one thing to go places and preach. But, uh, you know, but we do it with a purpose in mind. And the real purpose of it is, is for us to either help start a church or start a church or help start a church with a uh, leadership training center attached to it. Now, we call them leadership training centers, not Bible schools, because when you call it a Bible school, it, 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 it limits it to just ministers only. But we want business people to come. And there's one in one instant, one country in the country of Ethiopia, there are politicians coming to what we are about to do. So that's a good thing. Amen. We got politicians coming to your leadership training centers. That's an exciting thing. And then we want to see, of course, a humanitarian project attached to it as well, ranging from whatever, ranging from education, Christian education centers, all the way up to medical centers, what, whatever the need is. So uh, that's what we are about now. And uh, this coming October, we're going to spend a month in Australia preaching and teaching around just to make, make new connections and reestablish some older connections. Uh, we also have the opportunity at that same time to see our daughter Chloe be uh, ordained. She is, functions as an associate pastor at Redeemer Life uh, Fellowship, Redeemer Redeemer Coast, I should say, Redeemer Coast, uh, on the Sunshine Coast that's just north of Brisbane. She has been functioning as an associate pastor, and so it's time for her to become uh, ordained. Amen. So we have the privilege of uh, being involved with that meeting. And from there on, uh, I'm going to take a team with me from Rama, Brisbane, to the Philippines, to Rama Tarlac in the Philippines. And uh, Tarlac is just a little, oh, I don't want to say little city. I don't know how big it is actually. <laughs> but it's smaller than Manila. It's about half an hour north of Manila. But if you drive by vehicle, it's going to take you five hours because of all the traffic. So we're going to fly into a military <laughs> uh, air force base <laughs> uh, that's closer by. So we're going to take, take a whole Ah, almost two weeks to be in the Philippines and uh, make the devil real mad. Amen. Do some serious damage to the kingdom of darkness. Praise the Lord. Amen. And then, uh, of course, after that, we're back in the month of November again. And then starting out in, in January, uh, we're looking into, I would, I'm thinking about taking, no, I'm not thinking, we've been talking about, let's put it that way. Joel and I have been talking about going to the country of Liberia, where they're really interested in starting an impact Liberia. So wouldn't it be good for Pastor Joel to come on a trip like that at the end of January? Praise the Lord. Would that be all right for us to talk about that? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So that's the way to get people committed. <laughs> Peer pressure. <laughs> Amen. If you got your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 9. And we're going to talk about case studies in, in healing. Case studies in healing. And it's something that Ingrid and I have been doing, really, you know, since the month of May. 
uh, wherever we've gone in different places, talk about different cases in case studies and healing. Why is that so important? Well, I believe for many reasons, I believe healing is very much a part of the great sacrifice, the great exchange that Jesus paid for us. Amen. Sometimes people leave that out. I used to leave that out for myself because I thought in my mind, healing and, you know, all the blessings of God, you know, were just secondary to being born again and the, and the for- forgiveness of sin. Now, I'm not going to really argue with you with anybody about that, but I do want to bring it back to what the word says and the word makes it very clear that the same sacrifice that paid for our sin is the exact same sacrifice that paid for our physical healing isn't that right the same sacrifice Jesus blood paid for our sin but the stripes that were laid upon his back paid for our physical healing can you say amen to that so when you can see that, then healing, like, you know, when I saw that, let me put it that way, back in my early days of Christianity, at first I thought, well, healing, prosperity, blessing, all that is nice, you know, but it's, I would treat it as a fringe benefit or just optional. Like if God likes you <laughs> or if he's in a good mood or if you've scored enough points, then maybe, maybe he'll do that for you. But it's not the most important thing. But once I saw that healing was connected to the cross of Jesus Christ in the same way that the forgiveness of sin is part of that great price, of the great sacrifice, the great exchange, you could call it, where Jesus became exactly who we were so that now after the cross and in the resurrection, we might be exactly like he is now. Would you agree with that? Amen. On the cross, he became sin. Why? So that now after the cross, we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those are facts, right? All you got to do is know it and your faith will, will rise up. You don't even have to have a lot of faith. You just got to know this, right? Know this and act on it like you're the righteousness of God. All you got to do <laughs> is walk through life. You walk into the grocery store as the righteousness of God. and See, things happen <laughs> because you are the righteousness of God. Amen. Not only that, but... Jesus on the cross, he became sick with our sickness and disease so that now after the cross, we might be healed by the stripes of Jesus. That's a fact. That's not even a promise. Those are facts. It's more than a promise. Would you agree with that? Amen. So that's, I believe that's the, one of the reasons that we got to talk about healing, case studies and healing. But one of the nice things about if you go into a case study, and you know, let me say it this way, there are 19 individual cases in the four Gospels in which Jesus had interaction with, with people. And so when you treat them, rather than treating them as a Bible story or a Sunday school class, but begin to treat them as a case study, then you will see some amazing details that will not only help you receive healing. How many of you know that's important? (laughs) But also it will help you become a minister, a distributor of healing. How many of you know you are called to the healing ministry. Amen. You are called to the healing ministry. Just like Jesus had a healing ministry, you too, you have a healing ministry. How do I know that? Well, what did Jesus say in the gospel of John? He said this, the works that I do, you shall do also and greater works than these you shall do because I go to the father question did he go to the father he sure did that means that our job description is now to do the works of Jesus and to do even greater works than what he did and one of the works that he did was healing the sick so it is a part of your job description if you don't believe that how about 
Mark chapter 16. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. That's your job. Oh, Brother John, I don't want to get involved with that. That sounds a little scary. Well, it's your job to cast out devils in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. I don't know about that tongue stuff. Well, it's one of the signs that you're not supposed to follow after. It's supposed to follow you. Smile real big and say, that's for me. <laughs> Amen. In my name, in my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who's that written to? To the believer. In my name. Right? He said, <laughs> he said it, uh, and these signs shall follow those who, what's the next word? Believe. How many believers do we have here this morning? That's most of you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's most of you. So that is specifically written to you. These signs are to follow you. So that's another reason why it's good for us to go and talk about case studies. But what you will find in those case studies is you're going to find out some real details. Amen. You're going to find out some details what, what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And how many of you know he is a great physician? You know what that means? He is a good doctor. Amen. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. It might be good for you as a believer in the same way that you made Jesus Lord over your spirit. You remember that when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, right? Really what you did is you made him Lord over your spirit. Did you know in the same way that you made him Lord over your spirit, over your life, you can make him your family doctor. You can make him the doctor of your body because he knows how to fix it. He was involved in, in creating you. Everything was created by the word. And so because he knows how, to, how he created you, he knows how to fix you. When you don't know how to fix you, when the medical system does not know how to fix you, and can you not tell that we're living in times that the medical system is not really working the way we thought it ought to? And there are even cases they don't even want to help you anymore. So wouldn't it be good to, to wean yourself of that system? I'm going to be strong here. <laughs> wean yourself of that system and get on the system of God, God's healthcare plan that will never, ever fail. It's never failed yet. It's not going to fail you now. Wouldn't that be good? Wean yourself off that system and get onto God's system. Now, I'm not saying to do away with the, with the medical system here that we have, but you may as well know this. It's very limited, right? And it seems like it's not working like it should. So I want to be part of something that will not fail. Amen. I'm going to preach over here because these people are not I'm going to be part of a system that's not going to fail. I'm going to, I'm coming back to you. I'm going to be part of a system that will never fail. How about you guys? I'm going to be part of a system that will never, ever fail. God's system. Woo. Amen. All right. So, you know, when you're talking about case studies, there are 19, like I said, 19 different cases in which Jesus had something to say to the individual and the, the individual who was in need of healing, they, he or she, they had something to say as well. So when you pay close attention to what was being said and what was being done, it'll give you some hints of what you can do for you to receive healing or to become a minister of healing. Because once again, Jesus is a good physician. He knows what he's doing. Amen. You remember that time? Like last time we talked about, is it God's will, right? And we, we heard or we saw in the case of the leper that he didn't know it was God's will. He, he believed that God is able. He believed that Jesus was able. He asked a question. He said, Lord, uh, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. Obviously, 
He had no issues with God's ability to heal or Jesus' ability to heal. He just wasn't sure if it was his will. Well, from that scripture, from how Jesus answered him, you can already know that it is Jesus' will, God's will for you to be healed. Because Jesus gave the answer to him. He said, I will be made whole. And by virtue of who Jesus is, he would have to tell you the same thing. He is not a respecter of persons. If you would ask him, Lord, is it your will that I am healed from myocarditis? Let's bring that one up. (laughs) Is it your will that I'm healed from these blood clots? Is it your will that I'm healed from cancer? Is it your will that I'm healed from heart disease? Is it your will that I'm healed from arthritis? Is it your will that I'm healed from this cold? Is it your will that I'm healed from COVID? Is it your will? You can fill in the blank. And by virtue of who Jesus is, he would tell you the same thing. I will be made whole. He wouldn't, he couldn't tell you anything else. There, you will not find in the Gospels, you will not find anywhere in the Bible that Jesus said to someone, keep your sickness a little bit longer. God is working something out in you that requires you to go through this. He never ever said to someone, keep your sickness a little bit longer because what won't kill you is going to make you stronger. Amen. See, we, we make up those things. People make up those things. Somebody made that up because they want to, you know, they want to add their experience to the Bible. And since it doesn't match, rather than working with the word until it becomes their experience, they will compromise the word to match their experience and you'll always come up with the wrong answer. Amen. That's why you have to start out with God's word being the final authority in your life. Now it preaches easy, but to live that out takes a commitment, right? Because there are times, you know, you can hurt so bad that you'd rather go to heaven. (laughs) You can hurt so bad, right? And many people have. I mean, I don't want to go through this. I would rather go to heaven. I don't blame them, but it would be nice for some Some people on this earth to commit to God's word being the final authority and say, you know what? I believe this. I'm going to go through this. I don't care what it takes. I believe that I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Not comfortable. Not always comfortable. But it would be good for someone to say, you know what? I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what happens to me. This cancer is underneath my feet. In Jesus' name. This arthritis is underneath my feet. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, uh, so there's so many different cases. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke in Edmonton on a woman with the issue of blood. That's another case study. She heard of Jesus. She, she had gone through the cycle of going, you know, to see various doctors. Uh, she didn't get any better. In fact, she grew worse. And on top of that, she spent everything that she had on doctors. So she is what you could say, she experienced a double curse. She was sick and she was broke. But when she heard of Jesus, oh, I tell you what, what you hear of Jesus can change your life. That's why I believe it's very important to a church that you go to. Amen. Because there are churches that you might not hear this. Amen. But our job is to preach Jesus Christ, him crucified. You know, what does that mean? Crucified? Well, it means everything that he paid for on the cross belongs to you. Amen. Don't make it an option. Make it your responsibility to operate in. Amen. Our job is to preach this Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. What he did in Matthew, he'll do today. What he did in Mark, what he did in Luke, what he did in John, he is still doing today. The difference is he's operating from a different platform. He's up in heaven. But when he went to heaven, he did not take that authority that he took 
from the devil with him. He delegated it to you as a believer. Now you've got authority to cast out devils. You got authority to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. Wouldn't it be time for you and I to take our job description a little bit more serious? Right? That's, that's my job. My job is to cast out devils. <laughs> my job is to heal the sick. Amen. Now, you know, you can pray for the sick, but I believe that Jesus was a little stronger when he sent his disciples to the different towns that he himself would have gone. He didn't say, you know what, just pray for the sick. He said, no, heal the sick. That's a little stronger. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray for the sick, but, you know, sometimes it just means, you know, we just remember them in prayer. Isn't that right? We rem- you remember, you know, I remember uh, being part of the old church and we would always remember people in prayer. You know what that meant? Nothing. It just, <laughs> it just meant that when you happen to think of them, you give, you sit at the table, you get one of those little headache prayers. You go like this and, you know, you have an inward little prayer. If you would happen, if you happen to think about them, usually you wouldn't think about them. But if you happen to think about, oh yeah, yeah, the preacher told me to pray for them. So Lord, I pray for them and whatever they need, you know, just slap it on them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So prayer is good if it is the vehicle to get the end result. Amen. You know, James chapter 5 talks about it to call for the elders of the church and let them pray. You know, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I don't know about you, but if I were the sick person, I want to know what the faith prayer sounds like. Because I know any other prayer might kill me. (laughs) I mean, I would want to know what does the prayer of faith sound like? Because I want to be healed and I don't want someone to pray over me, you know, some intercessory prayer at that time over me, you know, and Lord, if it be thy will. No, I mean, I want to hear the prayer of faith. And I, besides that, I want to know how to pray the prayer of faith for the sake of you're on the other side. Are you with me? Amen. So prayer is good, but it's got to come with an attitude. We're going to heal the sick. Amen. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, what if it doesn't work? Well, I like what Oral Roberts said. Somebody asked him on television, asked him the question. What if someone would stand in the healing line and you'd lay hands on him and he would fall over dead? What would you do? He said, I would say, next. Because, you know why? Because we're always trying to, to make up for what God, what we think God should do and ought to do. Now, we got to do our job, right? When we do our job, then and only then are you putting God in the place that he can do his job, right? The Bible says, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. Pretty simple. Our job is to follow him and he will make you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't go to a, you know, fisherman's program. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that. But if you follow him, he'll make you a fisher of men. When you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have. Amen. That's your job is to, when you pray, you believe that you receive. God's part is, and you shall have. But have you ever noticed, I'm so far off here, (laughs) but have you ever noticed how that people always check up on how God is doing his part? How come I don't have it, Lord? How come I don't have it? No, no, no. Your job is to believe that you receive it. If you believe that you receive it, you know what that means? I believe that I possess it. That's another way to explain what it means to receive. You laid hold on it. That means it's yours. Amen. And there's no way that the devil is going to steal it from you because you possess it. Does that make sense to you? And you shall have it. That's God's part. But many people, they're checking up on how God is doing by saying, how come, how come I don't have it, Lord? I've done everything I know to do. Have you? You know, it's kind of like, I remember when, you know, when my, when my brother Dick and I, we'd be working for my dad and there were times there were times that my brother Dick didn't think I was pulling my, my weight. 
So he would tell my dad. Right? I think that John ought to be, do a lot more here, over here. You know what my dad used to say? Not only to him, but he would tell me the same thing. You do your part, and I'll make sure that someone else does their part. You don't worry about what they're doing. Isn't that right? <laughs> or it could be the other way around. I know that I have probably have said the same thing to my dad at times. You know, I don't think Dick is pulling his weight over. It's Dick's birthday, by the way, tomorrow. Amen. So... <clears throat> I'm sure he'd like for me to mention that, right? So, yeah, he will, he'll be able, can he, can he take presents afterwards? Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you do your part and then, and only then is God able to do his part. Amen. Have you found your place? This is one this is one case study, and I call it, it's the case study of the epileptic boy, or the epileptic son. Now, I call it ep epilepsy because if you look in the story at all of the symptoms that this young boy had, we would call it epilepsy. But I find it interesting that the father of, of the child didn't call it epilepsy. Actually, the Bible never calls it epilepsy we call it that way because we tend to in the western world we tend to go to the reason realm right but how many of you know from the story we're going to find out there are cases you're going to have to deal with the devil amen there are cases in the bible and that would mean there are cases in your life you're just going to have to flat straight out deal with the devil and that's not a bad thing, is it? So we got to know how. Instead of being afraid of it, you may as well face it right on, right? And just deal with it. Deal with the devil. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Let him know you got to deal with the devil sometimes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, let's read the story. We're going to read the story. Then we're going to back up and analyze what just happened. Would that be okay? Oh, my. And when he came, that's talking about Jesus. When he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. The scribes, you, would, you could say they're the same as the, as the news media, the modern-day news media. And straightway, all the people... When they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, what question are you with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, who has a dumb spirit. So even the father recognized there's a, there's a devil involved here. We've got to deal with that. He has a dumb spirit, and wherever he takes him, he tears him. That means he goes into seizures and he foams, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes with his teeth and he pines away, he shrivels up. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out and, what's the next word or phrase? They could not. They could not. Now notice Jesus' response. Did he say, well, that makes sense because I was not there. I am the Messiah. And what I do is I cast out devils. And the flunkies over here, they don't know how. So, of course, they were not able to cast him out. Is that what he said? No, no it sounds to me he was a little ticked off. Right? You know why? Because he expected them to do what he had already authorized and empowered them to do, which is deal with the devil. But they could not. So what did Jesus say? He answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway, right away, the spirit tore him. He fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said unto him, if you can believe, 
All things are possible to him who believes. Oh, how many, again, let me have a new show of hands. Maybe you've changed your mind, some of you, in the meantime. How many believers do we have? <laughs> oh, yeah, see, now, now we're getting somewhere. Because all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible to him who believes. That would mean if you're a believer, all things are possible for me. There's no such thing as impossibilities. Amen. You got to get that. You got to get rid of some of those statements. Well, it's impossible. I would get rid of this statement too. Oh, that's incredible. No, you're a believer. <laughs> All things are credible. Amen. All things are credible. All things, uh, that's just a little story, but all things are possible to him. Jesus said, I didn't say it. I'm just quoting what Jesus said. All things are possible to him who believes. What are you believing for? Amen. Praise the Lord. You're, if you're a believer, you're believing for the impossible. Some things that used to be out of your reach are now well within your reach. Some things that were seemed to be far, far away, like a fairy tale, have come closer because all things are possible to you as a believer. Amen. And notice what the gentleman did. Obviously, he kind of struggled with his faith. You'll find in case studies and healing, Jesus dealt with all kinds of people with different levels of faith. He dealt with a centurion. Oh, man, and he marveled. He marveled at the man's faith. He said, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. With other words, I was looking for this kind of faith in Israel, but I didn't find it. And I had to wait for an outsider, a Roman centurion, to come in and dazzle me with his faith. Why did the man have great faith? Well, that's a case study. How come? How, you know, did he, was he born with it? Was it because he was a Roman? Was it because he's a Roman centurion? No, it's because he understood authority. Amen. If you understand authority, you place yourself under authority, you become a person of great faith. Amen. I, I have this side journey, but I love the way that he talked. He didn't say, well, I'm a Roman centurion. And uh, there's a lot of people that answer to me. You know, I'm really in authority, you know, and I'm over a lot of people. He didn't talk that way. He said, I'm under authority, and I also have people under, under me. He's sandwiched between authority, like you and I are as well. So it's really good for you, for you and I to learn to give credibility and give praise to the one that you're under. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave us a, some, a, a message one time on there are six unders to put you over. One of them is under authority. When you're under authority, it's going to put you over. Just like it helped this Roman centurion to see his servants healed. You can see people healed in your territory. Praise the Lord. Because you recognize how authority works. Amen. Then you find people who, had, who struggled with their faith. Such, such as this father. He struggled. He struggled. What did he say? Um, where am I? Verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou, help my unbelief. How many of you know that's okay to pray that way? Right? I, I can honestly tell you there's been times that what I was believing for seemed to be too big, <laughs> too vast, too large, too far away, uh, too much. To actually take on. I said Lord. Lord I believe. But help me. Help me in the portion. In my, in my, in my, in my lack here. You know, in the area that I struggle. And you know what. He always honors that. He's looking for you. To give him something. That he can work with. Amen. All you got to do. Is giving something. 
to work with. He's looking for faith. Even that little bit that you seem to have is enough to get the job done. Does that make sense to you? Amen. You don't have to give him a whole lot. Give him what you have. And then, you know, if you can't tell, you know, it's not going to cut the mustard. There's nothing wrong with you asking, Lord, help my unbelief. Because he will help you. That's exactly what he did here. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he, notice what it says, he rebuked. The foul spirit saying unto him, you dumb and deaf spirit. He didn't call him just a dumb spirit like the dad. He said, you dumb and deaf spirit. I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. Now notice what he did. Jesus rebuked the spirit. The word to rebuke simply means to not allow to talk back. That's how you got to deal with the devil. In your life. Do not allow him to talk back. Don't strike up a conversation with him. Amen. Don't strike up a conversation in your mind with him. Right? There's lots of people that have dealings, you know, that are dealing with the devil in their mind. Right? And they, and they try to overcome it with other thoughts. No, no, no. You're going to have to talk to the devil. If, you, if you've never learned to talk to the devil, you won't get far in your Christianity. Jesus talked to the devil. He did it here as well. He rebuked him, meaning he did not allow him to talk back. It's this the same way with another case study. He used the same word, or the Bible uses the same word. He rebuked the fever in Peter's mother-in-law. He rebuked the fever, meaning this. He did not allow that fever to talk back. So that tells me this. The way that you treat the devil is how you're going to have to treat a fever as well. You've got to have some fight in you. If you're a believer. Amen. See, many, many Christians, they're really, I don't they're really low-key. Right, that's just really low key. Well, whatever the Lord wants. Well, when you say whatever the Lord wants, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get what the world system wants you to have. Usually that's what's going to happen. Because if you say that, if you say that, whatever the Lord wants, you know, you're just giving, you're just giving allowance to whatever happens must be the will of God. No, no, no. If you want to, if you want to be strong in your faith, you're going to have to determine the will of God before you say anything, before you pray. Amen. And then based on what you believe, based on what you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to deal with things. You're going to deal with the devil. You're going to deal with the fever. You're going to deal with things in your life. You're going to deal with your circumstances. Don't let your circumstance dictate to you what's going to happen. You're in charge. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Thank you for those three grunts and one amen. (laughs) It's so. Amen. What did Jesus tell us about the church? He's, he said this, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Amen. Are you the church? Raise your hand if you're the church. I want to make sure. Yeah, that's most of you. <laughs> if you're the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Meaning this, they will try. Of course they will try, but they're not going to be successful in it. Amen. Besides that, the gates, you know, would you, would you agree with me that gates are not really a, an attacking mechanism? It's more of a defensive mechanism, right? So the church, so, it's, so hell is not really on the attack. It's really the church that's on the attack, but the devil has no defense against it. Every time you make up your mind about the word of God, it's going to happen. He will try to hinder you, but he cannot stop you. Amen. He will try to hinder you, but if you are, are if you're stubborn enough, <laughs> and if you, if you've got bulldog type of faith, he's not gonna, he won't be able to stop you from receiving what God has 
plan for you, what he has promised you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. If you can't say amen, Brother Hagin, you say, just say, oh, me. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's a victory kick. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> the spirit cried, uh, rent him sore. He came out of him. And he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And he was, when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately. See, they don't want to make this public, right? They were embarrassed by, by the situation. Right? Because they should have been able to handle this situation. After all, Jesus had already authorized them. He had already given them the authority and the ability to cast out devils and to cure diseases. So they had already a track record that they had done it. Remember the time they came back? First the 12 and then the 70. They came back and they said, Ooh, they said, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. They were excited with their, their little ministry, with their little mission trip that they had through the nation of Israel. So here is a case, and they were not able to, and they did not want to make this a public statement because they had already probably been, been ridiculed by those scribes, by the news media. They were probably, the news media was out there, and say, you know, if you guys think you're that, if you really think that you're so special, if you really think that you and that evangelistic team, you know, that you're a part of with this Jesus fellow is so powerful, how come you were not able to cast them out? Isn't that how they talk? So they wanted to know, how come that we were not able to cast them out? I'd like you to go over with me to the Gospel of Matthew where you get a little bit more detail. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 19, it says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could, we, why could not we cast them out? And Jesus said unto him, Because of your... What's the next word? Unbelief. Because of your what? Your unbelief. Amen. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain... Remove hence to yonder place that shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, he says, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, does that mean that the, that the devil you know, only listens to someone who is prayed up and is fasted? Well, that's not exactly what it means, but really what Jesus was saying, this kind, he's not talking about this deaf and dumb spirit, but this kind meaning if you are in a difficult setting, such as with this gentleman who was struggling with his faith, because the man needed to be involved in seeing his, his little boy set free. Right? You know, like if you go back and you will, then you will see this. Jesus is asking the question because, because the boy comes up and he falls down. He's foaming at the mouth. He's, you know, he's, he's having all of these seizures while he's laying there. Jesus is not paying attention to him. He turns to the dad. See, this be a great moment for him to start ministering to the little boy that is, you know, that is, uh, that, that's having a seizure. What did Jesus do? He didn't do that. He talked to the man. He said, how long ago has this been? Now, do you think that Jesus is interested in a history lesson of when it happened? But how many of you know? He's a good doctor. Doctors ask questions. How long ago has this been? Right? He wants to have a track record. He wants to see what happened, happened in the past. Why is Jesus doing it? Because he needs to locate where the man is at. He needs to locate where the man is at. So he begins a conversation with him. And it didn't take him long to find out where the man is at. Because he explains it to him. He says, well, it happened to him since he was a child. But, you see, and now he immediately begins to talk about what the problem is. He says, but if you can help us, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything... Please, Jesus, have compassion on us and help us. You know what Jesus did? He turned it around. And he put the responsibility of seeing the son being delivered right square back on the dad. He said, what do you mean? I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. You can find it in the Amplified Bible, actually. What do you mean? 
if I can do anything. Why? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who, who believes. See, the man, he is, he is giving away where he is at. He is struggling with his faith. So Jesus had to help him with his faith. Right? If you can believe. So the man said, okay, Lord, I believe. But the area, the area where I struggle, please, please help me. And Jesus did. That's good to know, isn't it? So now, the, now his disciples are wondering, why, we, why could we not cast him out? Well, first of all, it's not because you don't have any authority. You've been given authority. You've been given the ability. But there are times that you are in a, in a, in a difficult setting where, where people don't have faith. So you're going to have to be prayed up and fasted up for it. Amen. Prayer and fasting does not give you more authority, but prayer and fasting will help you become more conscious of your authority. Does that make sense to you? It does not give you more authority. You already have got all the authority that you need, but there are times in your life and in your ministry that you need to be prayed up. Notice Jesus was prayed up. He was fasted up. He knows he is ready. He is prepared for a time and for a situation just like this. Amen. So this, this morning, this morning, it would be a good time for you to deal with the devil in your life. Now, I'm not saying that there's a devil present, like in this case. In this case, there, there's a devil present. There are times, you know, not, not every sickness and disease means there's a devil present. But yet, on the other hand, how many of you know that every sickness and disease is from the devil? Every single one of them. How do I know that? Well, Based on what Jesus said or what Peter said about Jesus. He said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So you could say that all sickness, all disease, every infirmity is satanic oppression. But it does not automatically mean there's a devil there. But you may as well treat it like there's a devil there in the same way that Jesus rebuked the fever. You may as well, you know, get some oomph on the inside of you and just deal with things. Amen. Deal with circumstances. Deal with those voices that are coming to your head. (laughs) Deal with instances. Deal with the devil when he is staring you right in the face and is just... You know, just telling you, maybe it worked for you last time, but it's not going to work for you this time. Right? There's just so many different ways he's coming at you. Would it be all right for you to stand up right, right now and just stake your claim, just make your claim and say, you know what, devil, uh, you are not going to go any further. Amen. This is my line in the sand right here. You're not going to get any further. I am pushing you back in Jesus' name. Stand up with me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me today. You say, Father God, God, I am here here as one of your children. children. You have given me me authority authority to deal with demons. To cast out devils. To deal with sickness and disease. And so right now. I take my rightful place. In the kingdom of God. In your church. In my family. In my home. In my place of employment. And I use my place. Of authority. To back up the devil. To tell him to get out. In Jesus name. You can no longer. Harass me. You can no longer talk to me. I take my authority. In the name of Jesus. Sickness be gone. Infirmities be gone. Addiction be gone. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Yeah. Give the Lord a hand today. Praise the Lord. Perhaps you're here. 
I don't know every person. I can't even see every person. <laughs> but if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, know, you may have heard of Him, but you really don't know Him as your Lord and Savior. You've never made, made a public statement of your faith in Him. You're not really sure if you're a child of God. Today is your day to come into the kingdom of God. Amen. And be born again. If that is you and you're not really sure if you're a child of God, if you're going to heaven, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand boldly, indicating to me, please pray for me. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God. Is there anyone here? Don't be shy about it. This is your day. This is the day of salvation. Amen. Do I see? Can anybody help me? I can't really see it all. Praise the Lord. Oh, it looks like everybody here is born again. One person? Oh, there you are. Okay, I didn't see your hand. Thank you for helping me. Uh, would you mind coming? I'm going to make a, make a spectacle. I don't say I'm not going to make a spectacle out of you, but <laughs> did you raise your hand? Yeah, come on up. Would I be all right with you? I'm going to do it the way that the Bible tells us to do it. Amen. Come on up. Yeah, just, just stand here. Just stand right here in front Pray, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down here. Praise the Lord. So when you, when you come to Jesus, it's, it's very simple, right? It's very simple. Romans chapter 10 tells us if you confess Jesus as Lord, that means you say it with your mouth. Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you're saved. And you're born again, a child of God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Can, sh shall, we, shall we do that right now? Would you mind saying this after me? Just raise one hand to heaven. That's where your help comes from. Just say this with me. I confess that Jesus is Lord. He is my Lord. I believe with all my heart that you, Father God, you raised him from the dead. And from this moment on, I know that I know that I know that I am born again. I am saved. I'm a child of God. Amen. That's all. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. All right. Thank you so much for allowing me to be in your midst. Praise the Lord. I'm so thankful for Pastor Joel and Jamie and their family for an amazing job for serving the Lord and serving you. Amen. For everyone that is, you know, involved with ministry, with working, working at the other church. Oh my goodness, that's just so much to be done. I'm very thankful for all of you. Thankful for Carrie, you know, when you can't, can't have a full band and you do such an amazing job. When you don't have a full band, that's pretty amazing. Amen. Thank you for everyone. God bless you.